Welcome to the Dulos Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Hey, we are so glad that you are joining us today. We've got a new face with us. You took your brother's place. I did. We've Thank got <laughs> the one and only Miss Kelly Voris. Hello, everyone. And back again. Hello, I'm Cole. <laughs> <laughs> But we thought as we get going today, we'd just play a little game. So we've had some fun with these quarantine-type games of what our favorites are and all that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it a little bit on us. I'm nervous. Give me the thing you miss the most since you've been quarantined. Like, what are you missing the most? Who wants to go first? Mm. I'm totally ready. Okay, let's get it. Okay, Cole. it's it's not Mexican food. I'm seeing everybody that wants Mexican food. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> no, when I'm done quarantine, like I'm gonna go get a steak. But quick shout out. I don't know if we're allowed to give shout outs, but this one's for you, Josh Davis. We were in Connect Group, and he said, "You know what I miss? A haircut." <laughs> and he couldn't he couldn't take <laughs> his do rag off. And I I feel you, Josh. I miss haircuts. I would yeah. love to go to the barber and just just fade me up. Let's let's do this. Yeah, this little uh, part over here on me is growing so, pretty long. It's pretty disgusting. That's me. Quarantine. <laughs> so. When I'm done, I'm going to go get a haircut. That's good. All right, Kelly, what do you miss the most? Okay, well, I had a spiritual answer, oh. okay. but then you said good. that, <laughs> and so now I feel like i got to change mine. So I guess I would say I can't wait to get my nails done again. Like, Same. I, I love getting my nails done, so... <laughs> Cole, you like getting your nails done? I know you like some of the same uh, clothes that Kelly likes. I'm not going to lie. Likes. Before Roman's wedding, I did get a Manny and a Petty, and it was good. It was okay, awesome, Don't ever right? call him yeah. that again. Don't ever. <laughs> don't ever shorten those words ever again in your entire life. Okay. Uh, How about you? you didn't what do I miss you? the most? Yeah, you can make it spiritual. I don't know. I, I definitely miss sports. I mean, I'm, I miss all of you. I wish that we could be together in person, obviously. But if you're asking me outside of the church world, yeah. uh, I definitely miss live sports. I didn't realize how, how much that mattered to me until they were all gone. And now they're showing all these old clips. And you're like, man, can y'all play again? Can you figure that out? So uh, all I'm praying for every day is that college football season is not affected <laughs> by, this, uh, by this virus. So boomer. In the comments, right sooner for the one sooner fan we have out there. Okay, uh, hey, we're kicking off a brand new series. Brian introed it just a little bit ago. the The story of Esther. Now, what's interesting? We're jumping into chapter one today, but Esther's not even mentioned yeah. in chapter one. Yeah. So, give me a little bit of background. What is going on in Esther one? And maybe if you want to read a little bit about, you know, the background up front, any of that, just kind of paint the picture for everybody. This is where we are in Esther, all right? Cole, you want it? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, Esther 1 starts out with a, a people and a king that are so far away from God. In fact, I, I think I could go as far as to say that they don't, the king didn't think that they needed God because he almost thought he was God, right? Like a verse that stands out to me in Esther 1, and I hope you guys read it, read Esther 1, but is, is verse 4. It says, this is the king. It says, while he showed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor and pomp of his greatness for many days, 180 days. This is literally the king partying for six months yeah. on the topic of how great he is. Yeah. 
Like, it's just all about him. There's, there's nothing to do with God. In fact, it was a society that, like, it was, it was frowned upon to follow after God. Like, if you were a Jew, if you were God's person, you didn't tell anybody. Like, yeah. You, you would have been oppressed for it. So instead, you've just got people that are all about the king and how great he is. Mm-hmm. King's name was? Oh, gosh. Um, you know how to say it? I cannot say <laughs> that name. Bible college didn't help me with that one. Aha, <laughs> uh, uh, Soros. Uh, sounds like a Hazarus. A is how you say it. So in the NIV, if you want the easier version, it's just Xerxes. X E R. X-E-S. So Xerxes, or you can say Ahasuerus, is the way that it's translated. Or Ahasuerus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is the way that it's translated in the ESV. All right. So King Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, throws this massive party about how great he is. Mm-hmm. And in verse 5, it says that there was even this special banquet, right? Yeah. And He's got the people from the greatest to the least. They're all in the fortress of Susa, and it lasts for seven days. Give us a little bit, Kelly, about what this banquet was, um, kind of the height of the party is this banquet, and what's going on there? Oh, man, he spares no expense. He, um, I think Cole put it so well, like he sees himself as the greatest man ever. Um, and so this, this party, to kind of wrap up the 180 days, he has another party, which is just crazy. Um, and you see in some of these verses, um, 6 and 7, he's got all of his finest things out for everyone to see. Yeah. He's got the marble pillars are obviously there, part of his house. The couches of gold and silver, which just blows my mind <laughs> to have a couch of gold and silver. That's wild. Um, and even as he's serving his guests... The drinks are coming out all in different types of, we would say, cups, but it says in the verse vessels. They're all different. Yeah, like golden goblets. Yes. These special things. He just spares no expense. He's absolutely showing how rich he is, how powerful he is, what he can offer the people. Um, And they're just, they are partying. partying. They're they're getting drunk like crazy. They're just going wild. Yeah, and so it ends that first section talking about how the queen... Queen Vashti, right? She's giving a banquet for the women in the royal palace as well. So give us a little bit of background on Vashti. And I know we're giving a lot of background, but I I promise it'll all make sense here in just a minute. Stick with it so you can, we're just setting the scene for everybody to understand what's happening in this story of Esther. So who's Queen Vashti? It's Xerxes' um, wife. It's it's the the queen of, uh, gosh, where is it? India to Ethiopia, over 127 provinces, right? Like, yeah. she's the queen. Um, it said that she even threw her own party, a feast for the women. And, um, yeah, I she's the queen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know what I'm missing. And okay. it was, I will say, too, it's pretty custom for the parties to be happening separately, yeah. for the women to be separate from the men. So she is the entertainer of her party, and her husband, the king, is entertaining his people. Yeah. yeah. And both of them are just trying to impress everybody with how impressive they are, right? This is how impressive my kingdom is. This is how impressive all my stuff is. And look, I can throw a better party than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Which, sorry, pause. Yeah. We're we're doing a lot of background, but but here's a a good piece. Our world's not far from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Like Mm -hmm. these, these kings and these queens, they just wanted to impress everybody with how great they were. 
We do the same thing. Yeah. We do it through Instagram. We do it through Twitter. We do it through TikTok. Any platform, we can put ourselves in front of a camera. We can look great. We can mm -hmm. wear the nicest things, have the most friends, have the best boyfriend or girlfriend. We want people to look at us and think that we're great too. Um, it, it's interesting because we're talking about this society that was really consumed with itself, but we're, we're not too far, really. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going. Oh, sorry. It, no, you're good. <laughs> Is so paralleling that to America, mm -hmm. right? Where we all live, unless you're watching from another country. But for Dulas youth, we're here. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of the same struggles. Mm -hmm. And this is the culture that the book of Esther is written in. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people look at, you know, living out your faith in a faithless culture, you know, how, how do you stay Christian in high school? What, what does it look like? How, how, do you, how do you do those things? And so a lot of times people run to the story of Daniel, yeah. right? Because Daniel was this young boy, came into captivity in Babylon, and we know all this stuff about Babylon, right? That it was just totally different. And they tried to enforce all kinds of rules on God's people who they had taken into captivity. And so we look at Daniel and we're like, oh man, look, he stood up for his faith. He did all this powerful stuff. It's a great story, not taking anything away from it. Esther's different. Yeah. Esther's someone who she comes into this story completely different. So give me a little bit of background on Esther. And now that we know what the culture was like that she was in, why is this such a crucial message for us to understand from Esther's perspective? Like why, why does this matter for a high school student today? living out your faith among a faithless world. Do you want to go there, Kelly? I can, yeah. yeah. Do it. Um, I know that we talked about this last week, too, just preparing a ton for this message um, and for this whole series. And, again, as we've been preparing, I have absolutely seen, and I think that y'all would agree with me, um, every single chapter of Esther, there's something in the world that can relate to that. Absolutely. Um, and it's just been... I don't know if cool is the right word to use, but to see how relevant the Bible truly is. It's Old Testament. We don't necessarily go to the Old Testament very frequently. Um, and this is a story that's definitely not taught a ton because it's a woman. You know, it's just a very different story. Um, but I think that there are absolutely things that we can pull from it. Just like, you know, we've only read, what, nine verses? Yeah. And we see, we see so many parallels to our culture, just how there's so much competition and trying to be better than someone else. And I think of the phrase like, um, this is probably an old school phrase, but keeping up with the Joneses. You yeah. know, you're always trying to keep up with somebody else. And I absolutely think that that's, you see that in these yeah. verses, you know, that, that'd be my take on it. Yeah. So, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Just echoing too. it sneaks into chapter two, where you've got these two uh, characters that it mentions, Mordecai and Esther. And both of these people are, are Jewish. In other words, they're, they are God's people. But with them being God's people and being in Xerxes, uh, Xerxes, I can't say Xer any of the Just say Xerxes. <laughs> Xerxes. Xerxes or Ahasuerus. Those are the way, with, that's how you say it. With them being God's people and being in Ahasuerus' kingdom, they can't be godly. Or, or, or they refuse to be, rather. They choose not to. So they hide their identity. They hide the fact that they are God's people because of where they're at in this, in this world. Yeah. And like you were saying with our high schoolers, I think that the temptation is when we see how, 
how, I don't know, godless high school can be or godless our society can be, we think, yeah, I, I am a Christian, but I'm going to hide that part of me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and what's interesting to me, you know, to parallel Esther and Daniel, Daniel grew up in Israel. Mm. Daniel grew up knowing all the right things to do, and then he got taken out, probably around age 17, 18, maybe even older than that. So he's already developed, this is who I am, this is how I was raised. That's not Esther's story. No. Esther is someone that she was one of God's chosen people, but she wasn't raised in the church. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so I, I, I think there's, there's something in here for everybody. And when you, when you look at this text, what I would challenge each and every person to do is read through the text, watch these videos, and then allow yourself to ask God, God, what are you trying to say to me? Because when you read through the story of, of Esther, you're going to find yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you will see these same type of struggles that you have as you go through this story, because I mean, it, it's extremely relevant. Yeah, it's extremely um, timely, just in, in in what we're all going through, where we're facing unprecedented times, and we're going, man, I I I don't know what to do here. This is this is the world that Esther is growing up in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So back to the text. Okay. We've got the parties that have happened, or they're still kind of happening. Men having their party, the queen is having her party, but the text doesn't end there. Mm -hmm. It gets actually pretty wild. Mm -hmm. So summarize it for us. If there's something you want to read out of there, you can, but but summarize some of this kind of really, not even (laughs) PG-13. I mean, if it was a video game, we'd be getting an M rating right now. Um, so, So tell us a little bit about what's happening here. You want it? <laughs> yeah, I, either way. <laughs> um, the story continues, and I, when you get a bunch of guys together, something dumb's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what starts to happen, right? So we continue in verse 10, and the guys are all together. The king is, is drunk. You know, he's, he's not only drunk on alcohol, but he's drunk on himself and mm-hmm. power and thinking, hey, nobody can say no to me. And so he goes, i got a great idea. I've got a beautiful queen. Her name is Vashti. And so what he says is, okay, I'm going to invite her in. And uh, it says, verse 11, to bring Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to show the peoples and the princes her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. And if you read that, that's not so bad. Hey, he wants to show off her, his girl. She's, she's beautiful. But uh, really, he, he wants her to undress in, yeah. in front of all of these people. And we get in a society and, and we think it's all fun and it's all, this is great. Like sin is, it's not bad. It's awesome. But then you get to something like this and you're like, wait a minute, this is sick. Mm. But the queen said, no, the, the king says, Hey, do this for me. And the queen says, I, I'm not going to do this. But queen verse 12, but queen Vashti refused to come at the king's demand delivered by the eunuchs. At this, the king became enraged and his anger burned within him. 
And so, to make a long story short, after the queen said, no, I'm not going to do this, what, what happens next is, is the king makes this decision. The king makes a decision to push Vashti out of the kingdom, to say, I'm done with you. Because the king thinks that if, if the queen can say no to him, then that means that, that any woman inside of a household can say no to her husband, and that would be okay. And the king can't have that. And and it's an honest shame. But the world that they lived in, women weren't really seen as people. They, yeah. they were seen as, as property. And, and I hate even saying that, but the, the king made this decision to, to push Vashti, the queen, out of the kingdom just to say, women, you, you've got no voice here. And, and then the, the story kind of ends. There was, yeah. It ends with, their, with really a sinful world with no place for women. So it brings up a few really big topics for us to talk about. And I want, I want to just kind of hit on them real quickly as we go through it. The first one's power. Yeah. Um, you know, power can be intoxicating to some people where when I get a taste of power, like, oh, I'm, I'm popular or uh, I'm the star of this basketball team, football team, I'm a, I'm a star musician or I'm hey, it could be I'm popular in the youth group, whatever it is, where, where you feel some level of power and authority. And what the Bible teaches us about power and authority is totally different than the way Xerxes uses his power and authority, right? So contrast that for me, the way that the world views power and then the way that Jesus says, this is how you really gain power and authority in the kingdom. Man, what a, what a question. Um, I think here, you know, I think you did such a good job of really walking through the passage. Um, but I think it's very obvious that, again, we've talked about him being this very powerful, sees himself as so great, thinks that he can ask anything of anybody, and they're immediately going to say yes. And he just assumes that. So I also think in my mind, when she says no, he's got to be like, what? Like, that doesn't ever happen, you know? And so I think he is absolutely just caught in sin, and it's all about himself. But obviously, you know, when Christ came, he said, everything is going to be different. Yeah. You are going to be different. You, you're not going to live the same way, and, and your power is going to come from me and, and what I can do through you. Yeah. Um, that would be my, no, my view you, on that. you nailed it. And, and that's the thing is what, what earthly power looks like is people serve me. Yeah. yeah. And what gospel power is, is I serve others. Absolutely. And you said it. Yeah. It's, it's Mark 10 or 1045 or Matthew 20, 28. They're the same verse for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, and, And that's the essence of how you receive power. It's where we get our our name for our youth ministry from Matthew 20 27 the verse right before it where Jesus says anyone who wants to become great Mm. powerful in the kingdom must be the servant the doulos of all and it it's it's different because we see this power and there is such a desire for it still in our culture Mm -hmm. where where people think that influence and and popularity and fame and acknowledgement is power, mm. and that that's what you should should search for in life. And, and, and hear me, I, I don't have I don't have anything against people that have a lot of followers on social media. More power to you. 
But if all you're doing is trying to gain followers, you've missed the point. What, what we should view everything through is how can I serve others? How can I serve Jesus through whatever avenue that I've been given? You know, if God's gifted you as, a, as an incredible athlete, he didn't go, hey, man, I can't wait for you to win the state championship. That is what I made you for, was to be a state champ. No, he said, I gifted you in such a way because I want you to, to wield that power in such a way that you're reaching people with the gospel that all these other people can't reach. Mm -hmm. To whom much is given, much is required. That's from the Bible. And when, when we're given this power, when we're given this influence, man, we got to use it in a way to advance the gospel, which is totally different yep. than Xerxes. Mm -hmm. So power is number one. Number two is a view of women, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not necessarily going to go into women's rights and all that sort of stuff. That, that's not what I'm saying. But biblically, even in the Old Testament, which is why I love this story of Esther, the, the Bible never puts women down. The Bible always lifts women up. Absolutely, 100%. And when you see, when you see Jesus, right, he, he came in the first century. It was a couple hundred years after this happened. But when you see Jesus and, like, the, the woman caught in adultery, all of these men gathered around her, pointing fingers, stones in their hands going, let's stone her because she, she doesn't deserve any of this. What does Jesus do? He goes and he starts writing in the sand, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what he wrote. That's one of the things that I can't wait to get to heaven to find out <laughs> is like what he actually wrote in the sands. Uh, my dad always says that he thinks that he was writing down the sins of all the guys. <laughs> like, I think that would be awesome. <laughs> He's writing a name and then just writing all the stuff that they've done wrong. Um, but one by one, all these men stop dro or st start dropping their rocks and walking away. And Jesus looks at this woman that the rest of the culture pushed outside and said, you're not worthy. And he says, where, where are your accusers now? Mm -hmm. And then the next things he said to her was, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Lifts her up in a powerful mm -hmm. way. And, and you see those stories all throughout Scripture. But why is it so important for us to to lift women up instead of put them down, one. And two, do you think there still is in our culture today a, a, a desire kind of like the way Xerxes looks at it, that women are objects, women are, are property? And if so, how do, we, how do we fix that? What do we do? I think that's a Cole answer. I think a guy yeah, should answer I agree. <laughs> what, how we should view women. I, how we should view women is we should view women as created by God. I, yeah. I think that that's a given. They are created by God. They're not for our use, right? And so what that really takes me into is, is absolutely our society has some parallels, and it makes me sick because, guys, th this is what happens. You think you're a king. And so what you do is, is you go, just like in verse 11, and, and I'm not saying all guys do this, don't hear me, but I know some guys do, and you go to women and, and you ask them to send you inappropriate pictures. And when you do that, you're no better than this pagan king 
who goes and asks for his wife to undress in front of people, and it's sick. And so you go and you ask for, for these inappropriate pictures. And when you ask for inappropriate pictures, you're objectifying a girl. You're saying, hey, you're, you're not made in God's image. You, you are not worth anything except for my pleasure. And some people take it even further. As a guy, not only do you say, hey, I, you're, you're only for my viewing pleasure, but, but you make it physical. And what you say is you completely just take away the fact that, that a woman is loved and should be cherished by man, protected by man. And when you do those things, you are not doing your God-given responsibility to protect and cherish women. You're attacking them. And really, you are aligning yourself with Satan, and we've got to stop this. Do not think that you're innocent just because you're not asking a woman to go and do this in front of people. If you've asked a girl for inappropriate pictures, if you've asked a girl to do something for you physically, you're guilty. Yeah. And really, you, you need to repent. So, yeah, I'm sorry. It just it makes me upset that, that women are treated this way because it's not the way that God intends for women to be treated. But I— not but I, and I, I'll say it that way. <laughs> I totally agree, but I also think that it even goes a step farther. It's not, even, it's not even just that I've tried to subjectify someone that I know, mm -hmm. objectify, not subjectify. Uh, it's not even that I'm trying to objectify someone I know. It's that, man, just looking at pornography yeah. and, and, and viewing thing. things, you're doing the same thing. Yep. And just because you don't have a personal relationship with this person doesn't mean that somehow it's any less of objectifying women and turning them into property for you to use or to own rather than for you to be a, you know, when, when God created woman, right? Uh, he made Eve out of the, the rib of, of Adam, all that stuff. And he called her a helper made suitable for him. Yep. That God made man and woman to, to really kind of become one and not necessarily complete each other because we were completed by Christ, not by a spouse. But God has this beautiful plan, and when we strip that away, and now I view women as mm -hmm. objects mm -hmm. that are here for my pleasure or however you do it, we've totally missed the way that the Bible's supposed to do, yeah. or supposed, supposed for things are supposed to happen. So, I also know, Kelly, <laughs> that this isn't just a problem unique for men, that it's not just men doing this to women, mm -hmm. you know, especially in our culture today, much like their culture. Mm -hmm. uh, this was a something, something both ways. So, is there a word there for, for women as well? Not just, mm -hmm. hey, men don't objectify women, but, but but what, do you, what would you say to girls, to women? Oh, man. I think it starts just how Cole started his statement. Like, everyone is created in the image of Christ. Yeah. Um, and that is the foundation of everything else. Um, but I think that there's a, a verse in here, too, that I, I wanted to hit on just because you were yeah. talking about it earlier. Yeah. Um, in verse 22, it talks about how the king is sending out all these letters to the provinces. Um, and it says that every man be master in his own household. And when I read that, I'm thinking he's trying to force submission. Like yeah. that, that's what he, he's demanding that. And that's not how that works. Um, that comes from respect and, and honor. And I think when it's almost like a twofold thing, like when, when men give women respect and love, how they're supposed to be loved and respected, it's easy for a woman to, to do the same thing and submit. Um, and, and that's a, that's just, 
I guess that's a very New Testament Absolutely. thing too, but it, it's just a, a very, um, I don't know how you would say that, a mutual relationship. You're feeding off of one, one another because of Christ um, and how you view what your roles are because of how God's created you. So I kind of have a question for you. We've, okay. we've talked about women. We've talked about men. If I know that there are people that are watching this video that have struggled with pornography. They've struggled mm -hmm. with objectifying either men or women. What's your advice for them? I, I don't think they're lost, right? Like they're not cut off. No. They're not for sure going to hell. So yeah. what do you think? Well, I think that there, there's something to be said for the fact that we live in a culture that's saturated by sex. Yeah. Right? You get on any form of social media now. And it's just saturated with it. It just is. And, you know, I try to follow the people that I'm supposed to be following, not, not other people, but I still see it. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, so it's all around you. Um, but that's not unique to us. I know a lot of times people go, oh, well, you know, no one's ever lived in a world like us. No, the world was exactly the same. Or no, it's different, but they had the same struggles. Like, in, uh, I think of Timothy in Ephesus. Ephesus is the first known town in the ancient world that um, had prostitution, I guess is the way to say it. They had this huge temple to Artemis, the Artemis of Ephesians, or the Greek goddess Diana. Uh, she's the goddess of fertility, and so if you don't look her up, but if you looked up a, uh, a picture of her She's holding a basket, and it looks like she's holding a basket that's got all kinds of pomegranates in it, but they're not pomegranates. They're a bunch of breasts that they, they would go and worship Artemis or Diana by having all kinds of weird sex parties. And that's what they would do in Ephesus. And so, like, you read your Bible about Ephesians and all this sort of stuff, but Timothy was from Ephesus. And Paul writes Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22, and he says to flee the evil desires of youth. Yeah. And yes, I know that, and when you're a teenager and those hormones are just going crazy and you live in a sex-charged culture where it's all around you, it could be difficult. But Paul tells Timothy, who was a young, young guy, who had this everywhere around him, where it wasn't, hey, I could pull it up on my phone. Literally, I could walk outside my front door and I could do anything I want with people yeah. because they're walking around and committing these acts in broad daylight. Yeah. And I, I could just get it. And he tells them, don't do it. So there's, there's a two-step thing. The, when, when you're trying to overcome your battle with sin, two steps. Number one is to recognize when you recognize that sin, this is a sinful situation for me, you know, so, and I always struggle with looking at pornography at this time in this place. Okay, recognize that and go, this isn't a good place for me. Or, man, every time I start a, a, a conversation with this girl, it always leads to this, this kind of uh, conversation. Well, no, this girl all by myself, not a good conversation. This person that I snap likes to do this, not a good place for me to be. Whatever that is, recognize. But the second one is really important. It's to replace. So just to recognize your sin, your sin doesn't fix it for you. Like that happens to everybody at a camp, yeah. right? <laughs> like we all go to camp and we're like, oh, 
do all these things wrong. Yeah, you recognize it. The hard part is to replace it. Yeah. So if I just go, hey, I struggle with looking at porn at night when I'm by myself and I'm in my room alone. Okay. Well, the next night that you go to your room by yourself and it's dark and you still have your phone with you, guess what you're still going to do? You're going to still think about that because you didn't replace it. So that's when it gets more difficult. But that's when you go, man, I need to, I need to read my Bible instead. Don't read your Bible on your phone. Pick up a Bible. Yeah. Put your phone in a different part. Yeah. When, I was, when I was in high school, you guys, many of you have heard the story before. I came home from, uh, from church camp, and I grew up in a different day. We didn't have internet. I, I literally had a TV in my room with the rabbit ear antennas. Um, but that was enough for me. Like, I, yeah. I would search through channels late at night, and I would, I would want to see things I shouldn't see. And so I got home from CIY, or from, it was CIY, but I called it camp, uh, from the CIY conference, and I go into my room, grab my TV, all this stuff, I go and put it in the dining room, and my mom's like, uh, Matt, what are you doing? And I said, Mom, you don't need to know, you just need to understand that I have to do this in order to live the life that I want to live. And my mom supported me with it. Yeah. And like, that, that's what you have to do. It's not just enough to recognize it. You have to replace it with something that's better, something that's going to push you further along in your relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. that's a good word. So I think, I think that's important for us to hear. Absolutely. I like that. It's good. All right, so let's wrap this up a little bit. Um, you know, the, it, it, it's this kind of crazy story, and we've given a lot of really good parallels to what uh, goes on in our culture today. But in closing today, what would you say is the one thing you would want, and both of you get to answer this, the one thing you would want everyone to take away? Like if, if I was going to wrap up chapter one and say this is what everyone needs to know, what would it be? So I'm ready. Ladies first. I'll go. <laughs> um, I would say... This might be, this is a good statement, I think. Um, you have every right to say no. Yep. That, that's probably what I would say. Because um, I look at it from more of Queen Vashti's point of view. And she's got this jerk of a husband, just this crazy guy asking these ridiculous things of her. And she stood up to him. You know, she was really in a lose-lose situation. No matter what she did, it was going to be rough for her. And so she decided to do the right thing. Even though, you know, she's a pagan queen, we've talked about that, she decided to say no. And yeah, she's not the queen anymore, but she did the right thing in that moment. And I think that so many girls and guys need to hear that, that it's okay to say no. Even if someone is asking for photos or for certain type of texts or whatever that is, you have every right to say no and to say, I'm trying to live my life for the Lord. These are the things that I, I want to do. Um, you know, no one's forcing this on me. This is my choice. And if you don't re respect me as a person, then I'm sorry. This is just how it's going to be. Yeah. You know, so that's what I would say. That's great. I mean, the, the, the truth of, of, of the Bible and really mm -hmm. with Esther is, you know, that you have the power to stand up for what you believe Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. And um, I know that's not necessarily what Vashti's doing, but I, yeah. I think for all of us, yeah. That's the truth. Stand up for what you believe in. Yeah. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to give in to what culture tells you you have to give in to. So that's good. Yeah. Cole. 
I don't know. Kelly just hit a home run. <laughs> so I don't know what the, you got to hit a grand slam. Yeah, I don't know. Take it up at a level. Uh, I, I love what Kelly said. We, we've learned about this culture, and the temptation for every single one of us is to keep up with the Joneses, to be a part of society. And we feel like we can't say no. We feel like we have mm-hmm. to do this. And if we don't do this, then we won't be cool, and then no one will accept us. And, and we feel like we, we, we can't be who God's called us to be because if we are, we'll just get pushed away. Mm-hmm. And Queen Vashti said no. And, and she stood up for what was right. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll get into more of Esther and Mordecai's story about how they do the same thing. And they're faithful to God and they're blessed because of it. And, and I, I can't ruin the whole book, but there's so much <laughs> good there. Um, yeah. But I would just say simply, just because your society is fallen, just because your culture is fallen, just because it looks bad and evil, doesn't mean you have to be in a fallen world. In fact, when I was in high school, <laughs> when back in my prime, uh, <laughs> you chose a verse from Daniel, right? Where we had to, or is it Philippians? I'm messing it up, but oh, we had no. to shine like stars, yeah, right? It's in both. It's Daniel in both. 17, 3 and Philippians something. <laughs> four something. Yeah, but it was, it was this whole idea of we, we can stand apart as right. God's people. Um, and I'm talking a lot, but like you said, Sometimes it's not as pretty as, as Daniel. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not pretty as David and Goliath. Sometimes it's a little messy, and we're people that have messed up. But that doesn't mean that we have to be fallen like our society or our world. It's good. Absolutely. So, hey, I, I just want to wrap us up. And two things. Number one, I would tell you, you got to keep tuning in. Yeah. And get on and watch. Next week, we're going to be coming with, e- with Easter, with <laughs> Esther chapter two, and you're not going to believe what happens next in the story. It is crazy, (laughs) um, but it's really, really cool. And you're going to love this series, getting to hear stuff that is directly applicable to your life. Uh, Second thing that I want to make sure you know is, um, man, the way way that culture tries to convince you that everyone's doing it. Mm. Listen, God didn't create you to be like everyone else. Uh, God did not say, hey, I want everyone to be this way. And all. Don't ever fall for what the crowd says, this is what you're called to do. Always stay on, stay on task, stand on God's word, and realize that God created you for more. So, as we wrap up today, Kelly, will you pray us out? Absolutely. And um, we will see you guys next week after Kelly prays. So let's pray. Yeah. God, we thank you so much for um, just for our time today that we um, get to open your word and just to see um, your hand throughout all of it, um, that it's so relevant to us today, no matter what we're going through, God, that we can take a text and and see your hand. Um, God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for um, just your continued provision over our lives, that you continue to protect us, that you, um, you love us so much that you sent Christ for us, just like we celebrated last week. Um, God, and I would just pray for, for each student, parent, um, adult watching this um, video that they would just know that you are with them. Um, no matter what they're facing, that you are going with them and um, that you love them dearly. God, we love you in your precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and tag us at Dulas Youth. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.